our sponsors for the Dafyomi of a Talmud Torah sponsorship by Shmuel and Levadinovitz for Zechus, Elias Neshama, for Rav Peretz, Avraham, Ben Rav Benyamin, Moshe, Zol. And that's for today. Wonderful. Today's Daf is Ksuvas 15, Ksuvas 2. We are starting at the Mishnah at the back of the hand, the bottom of the hand, the bottom of Yud, Dalid, Ahmed, Base. Uh, we had a very exciting sugya yesterday, and I think I mentioned Yavamas five times yesterday, so we'll just try to mention it once today. Uh, so the Mishnah says, uh, There was a story, a true event, unfortunately, with a young girl who went down to fill up her water from the ayin. Now, ayin means an eye, but it means the water source, like a mayan is a similar word. She goes down to the well to get the water. Oy, venensa. She was violated. She was taken advantage of. Amar Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri. And the question came to Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri. And he said, Im rov ir If most of the people of that city are kosher lekehuna. Now, remember yesterday we said, they don't have mamzerut in the family, or natinim, givonim, or avdei malachim, or chalolim. Then then this, this girl who was Nebuch abused could still be married to a Kohen. She still has all her options open. Now, just a reminder, this is, this is a Bidyevid situation. If we find them in the act, we find somebody attacking a woman, then, as we said in Yavamas, so there we am, I'm Yotze referencing Yavamas, as we said, that Jewish law compares the violation of a woman to a murder, and therefore they're allowed to use force to stop that act. Even if they have to kill the man, that is allowed. Now, if they don't find them in the act, but they find him later, then what the Torah prescribes in Kitetse is that the woman has the option to force him to marry her. Now, I'm not sure she would want to after meeting that way. It's not really a great way to make a shidduch, but she can lock him down and force him to marry her if she wants to. It's her option. And if not, he has to pay the mohar habitulot. And remember, that was our source uh, about a week ago for the kisuva being deraisa. It was this mohar habitulot, the settlement made to virgin brides, that's what the fine he has to pay. Now, in addition to that, of course, what's not spoken out and sometimes gets forgotten in the mix is if this man has caused any physical damage to the woman, he has to pay for that. He has to pay for Nezik, Ripui, Boshis, for her embarrassment, for any medical bills. So what's sometimes lost in the mix, because we're just dealing with halacha yavesha, we're just dealing with, oh, can she marry a Cohen or not, is that if she was really attacked by a man, he owes her money, owes her the Nezik and the, the shame and the medical bills and all of that. And not only that, but the rabbis are probably going to whip this guy with a palm branch that has thorns, like we saw last Shabbos, the guy who was, you know, saying he found Petach Petuach. Remember, this was, this was Daf Gimel. It's a long time ago, I know. He was claiming Petach Petuach. So the rabbi said, yeah, okay, we'll believe you, but we're going to whip you because obviously you've been around the Zona, so we're going to whip you with a thorny palm branch. They'd probably do that to a guy here too in this case who didn't want to marry this girl he took advantage of. And so anyway, sometimes we ignore some components of halacha and we just focus on what the Mishnah says, but there is a lot more going on in halacha. Just, to, just a reminder. Good, Gemara. Amr le Rav Rav Nachman, but Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri de Amr Keman. So who's Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri postening like here? Ik Rabban Gamliel. Remember, we had this Machlokas Rabban Gamliel yesterday. Afilu Barov Pesuli Nami Machsher. Even if most of the guys in the town were not fit to be a Kohen. Remember, Rabban Gamliel said, we believe a woman. We trust the woman to say who she's pregnant from or who she was alone with. 
so she could still be kosher lekahuda. We believe her. So if it's like Rabbi Yochanan, he should believe her, even if majority is pesulim, as Rabbi Gabriel believes her generally. Ik Rabbi Yoshua, nami posul. If it's like Rabbi Yoshua, who doesn't believe women to say who they're pregnant from or who they're with, he shouldn't believe her, even if it's rov kasherim. So what are we talking about? We need a rov here. We saw yesterday, it was really like a bari v'shema issue, or it was a suffolk versus a sveik sveika issue between Rabbi Gamal and Rabbi Yeshua. But here we're talking about a rov issue. So what's different here? turning over the top of the 15, it was in the wagons of Tsipuri was the act. So Tsipuri is the city. We can assume that's where the well was, but there were wagons there too. So Rashi says it was Biyom Hashuk. It was market day. That there are groups and there are caravans, there's wagons, that they're coming for market days. You understand the farmers and the villagers from near Tsipuri would pull up with their wagon to sell their watermelons or their onions or whatever it was at Tsipuri. So now we don't just have a rove of the population of Tsipuri, which were probably kosher yidden, but we also have these guys from the outside. So what's their status? Okay, the Rebbe Ami, Dama Rebbe Ami, Vehu Shehaita Sia, Shalbane Adam Kesherim Overt Lasham. So he says there's not only a rove of Kesherim in Sipuri, where this, this Misa took place with the young girl, but there was also this group of kosher men passing by. You know, it was a market day, and there was a whole wagon caravan from the next door village, and those guys were also kosher. So it wasn't just one rove, it was two rove was the case. And we're going to see why in a few minutes, Gamar will explain why we need two rove, not just one. Remember, Deiraisa, we go after the rove. So the rove, when there's a court case, we vote with the majority of the judges, things are battle barov deraisa on rabbinical levels. Sometimes you need 100 or 101, like we saw in Truma recently in the Mishnah Yomi. Always a good day to start the Mishnah Yomi, Rabbi But that's only Dirabana. And Deiraisa, things are usually battle barov, and we can rely on the rove. So why do we need two here? We're going to see. If some woman had relations in the wagons, she'd be kosher lekahuna because these guys in the wagons from the village, they're kosher lekahuna. They're good guys. I mean, okay, they're good guys, but okay, fine. You mean they're actually having relationships in the wagons? That's, that's, a, little, that's a little weird. Okay, it's not like a circus wagon here. No, we're saying is, when the wagons show up, we will make her kosher lekahuna. Why? Because there's not just the one rove in her own city of kosher guys, but there's a second rove. The guy, the men who are coming along with the wagons, they're also kosher lekahuna. They're not mams, they're not tanchalo. They're good to go. Aval perish echad mitzipuri ubal avlad shtuki. But in comparison, if one guy came out of Tsipuri, and we know for sure, Rashi says, this guy's from Tsipuri, and he lived with the girl, or he was, you know, with the girl by the well, or whatever it was, then she is not Kashera, and the Vlad is Shtuki. Like we spoke out yesterday, Shtuki means Shtok. It means we don't know who the father is with certainty, and we'd say he has no Yichus. Even if we know the father was a Kohen, we say he still doesn't get all the privileges and rights of a Kohen. Remember, yes, it was Machlokas, Ritva, and Rashi, if Kedivini Truma, we know the father's a Kohen, but we don't have Zaram Yichas Acharav. It's a Shtuki, so we're not sure because there's only one rove, even though rove of Tsipori is kosheri, most of them are kosher. But if one guy comes out of the rove, we're going to see that's that's a potential problem. We need two roves. We need two potential groups 
that this man could come from, akin to the fake Sveika we spoke out yesterday, but Almanas Isa. There's more than one possibility here that would make her kosher. So some Rabbi Hanina is involved here. It's saying, We go after the majority of the city, but not after the majority of the groups, the travelers. The Gemara says, no, that's not right at all. You need to say the opposite. These travelers are naidi, their movement. They're, they're in motion. We say mayim is naidi also. Water is not at rest. The people in the city are kavua, vikaime, and they're standing in their place. And we're going to see, the Gemara is going to say in a few lines, kavua kamechsa, dummy, that something that's kavua, that's in place, has sort of a greater significance in halacha, as we're going to explain on this daf. So, Ella, what do you mean to say? We do go after the majority of the city, which is kosher to Mary Kohanim. But only when, Rabbi there's also a majority of the travelers. These guys showing up for market day from the villages, from the farms that are outside Sipori. These guys are also kosher. We have two kosherim options. So the man she was with, okay, if he was from Sipuri, he was probably from the row of this kosher. But he also could have been from the traveling guys coming in for market day. And most of them are kosher, so we're going to allow it in that case. We don't go after the rove of the city by itself, so it's not market day. And the only guys around are the guys in Sipuri. Even though rove of them are kosher lakuna, we wouldn't merely go after one rove. Uh, and if it's, you know, out in the market day, but they're just in the market, and it's only those guys on the wagons, it's a one rove, not the guys from Sipuri, it wouldn't go after that either. My time, why not? We go after the rove deraisa rabosa, my time, gezera. It's a gezera derabonon, rove sia atu rove ha'ir. We have a gezera of the rove of the travelers, the movers, uh, onto rove of the ear, because rove of the ear is a problem. Rove ear nami, if they're going to her, you know, if the, someone comes to the city and goes to her, she's out at the well or she's somewhere else, you know, wherever she is, whoever comes out of a group and he's now in movement, we assume he's separated from the rove. In the fourth pick of Brachas, we even learned this out that a guy said he came from Asher, he came from like a Moab or something. We said, is he kosher to marry a Jew? Is he really a Moavi? Well, kol de parish meruba parish. He should be a Moavi. He says he comes from Moab versus if you get to Moab and tried to marry somebody, maybe it's half and half, something like this we're going to see. Lod so we don't need this to cut, we don't need the Gezeira. Uh, only onto the case of the Ka'azla Ihi when she went, Liga by who? Went to him. So it matters if they're going to his place or if they're going to her place. It actually makes a difference in Halacha. If she goes to them, to him, to some guy in Sipuri, to Havale Kavua. He's Kavua in his place in Sipuri. Amarabizeira. This is an underlying line, Rabosa. If you need a pencil, I have one up here. Kol Kavua, Kamechsa, Omechsa, Dame. Anything that's in his place is considered half and half. And the Gemara is going to bring some cases to illustrate this today, so don't worry if we don't understand yet. We will understand by the end of the day. Me be'inan trei rubi. Do we really need two sets of rove? The rove of the guys in Sipuri and the rove of the guys there from market. They've a tanya, but the Baraisa says not like that. It says teisha chanuyot. This is a famous case. We've seen this in Chulin. We've seen this in other places when it's talking about a rove versus something kavua, something set in its place, which again has a certain chashivas in halacha. 
There are nine stores. These are nine kosher stores. Kulan Mochot Basar Shchuta. They're all selling shachot meat. Of course the meat is geshetted. It's not alive. We mean it's kosher meat. It's good to go. So you have nine kosher butchers in one town. V'achat mocheres basar nevela. And there's one not kosher butcher in the town. So you know, you understand. You have your seven mile, you have your wasserman, you have your everybody. You have nine kosher meat stores and one not kosher. And what happens? V'lokach me'echat mehen. And he went and he bought meat from one of the stores. Uh oh. So he knows he went into a store and bought meat. And back then they didn't have bags that said seven mile. They didn't have bags that said seasons. They they just wrapped everything in a piece of newspaper or a piece of paper or whatever it was. Or you threw the meat over your back, over your shoulder, you threw it in your bag. You didn't have, uh, you know, things wrapped up with a star K, with a hechsher, with a seal. So you have a piece of meat. You know you bought it at a store. And you'd think that might be okay because nine out of ten of the stores are kosher. Only one out of ten is, is treif. You might have think that's okay. Sveiko aser. The suffix is aser. Again, we're going to say this is kavua, kamechsa, mechsa. Even though nine out of ten stores are both, nine out of ten stores are kosher, but because you went to them, you went to the place where the store is Kavua. This is not one of those little like uh, car wagons that shows up and starts cooking in the parking lot. This is a Kavua store. It's in its place and you went there. So it's considered Mechetzel Mechetzel, half and half. So there's a 50-50 chance that halachically speaking, the person got the meat from the Trafe store. So he's got a problem. He can't eat the meat anymore. Can't eat the meat anymore. This is, of course, again, he has no simon. There's no like, Heksher or wrapping or bag that says seven mile market on it. It's just a piece of meat. He doesn't know any better. Benimsa, but if you found meat, Rashi says, you found it outside in the shuk. You didn't find it in the store. You just found it on the park bench. You found it at the bus stop. Yeah, halach achar harov. You could go after the majority. So this is kind of an amazing thing. You went to a store and bought a piece of meat. Nine out of ten stores are kosher. And yet, because kavua kemechsa mechsa, you can't eat the meat. It's considered not kosher, also the suffix, because of a doubt. But if you just found a piece of meat just sitting there, because nine out of ten stores are kosher, most of the meat in the city is kosher meat, you could take that home and you could eat it. It's, it's sort of a pelletic thing, but this is the halacha of kavua kemechsa mechsa. The key tema, and if you're going to tell me, this is when the border is not closed, the gates of the city are not locked so meat could come in to call that there's another row from outside so you could say maybe this meat this this case of the stores is also two rows like our case of sipuri with the wagons coming you could say this is nine out of ten butchers in the city are kosher and not only that but they're also importing meat from lakewood and from new jersey and from from deal and from new york city that's also coming in so even the rove of the outside is also kosher so I said, we have two roves in this case. Even though the border is closed, Lemaisa, and there's no meat coming in from Lakewood, you would still rely on the rove that a piece of meat you found on the bus stop would be kosher in a city with nine out of 10 butchers with most of the meat kosher. So how come you need two roves by this girl? You would need the rove of the men in Sipori and the rove of the visiting men for market day. So mala asa it's a higher stringency we made by Yichus. 
the Kohanim Lemaisa are very suspicious about marrying a girl who might have had relations with a Halal or a Mamzer or a Natin. And who can blame them? They're Kohanim. They need to retain their Yichas. It's something we spoke out yesterday. It said, Zara Yichas Acharab, the Kohanim are very Machmer. If they don't know the father, we don't give them the privileges of a Kohen. So Lemaisa, they've done some genetic testing on Kohanim. And uh, they've found in their genetic testing that pretty much all of them, Baruch Hashem for Kohanim, I love Kohanim, pretty much all of the Kohanim have a Y chromosome that they get, because of course the Y chromosome comes from the father. That's just normal human biology, is that they have the same Y chromosome from one man about 4,000 years ago. So who was around 4,000 years ago? Well, that's Aaron Cohen. So the genetic testing shows the Kohanim are actually pretty good with their yichas. So Baruch Hashem for Kohanim, they're stringent. They need two roves. Again, it's a gezerah, because if we say, oh, you could rely on one rove, then that then that might we might come to rely on that rove and matter her to kahuna, even though she went to the man. She went to his place and it's Kavua Kamechsel Mexa. And since she went to his place, even though the majority of Tsipuri is kosher, but some of them are halalim, some of them are not kosher. So it's kavua kamechsa mechsa, and she would lamaisa in halacha be pasul kahuna. So we don't rely on one rove, but two roves, most of the guys in Tsipuri, plus most of the guys in the visiting wagons, we would rely on for yuchsin and mazel tov, she can marry a kohen. Good. Gufa amrebizeira, kol kavua kamechsa mechsa dummy. Anything in his place, it's like half and half. It's not after the majority. Bain lakula, bain lachumra. This is whether we're being makel or machmer. So this is not merely a dirabunan stringency. This is a deraisa concept. Minale, uh, how does he know the Rabbi Zayir? How does Rabbi Zayir know this? If you say from the case of the nine stores, kulan all nine stores are selling kosher meat, the achad basar nevela, and the tenth store is selling nevela, not kosher. The lakach he went into a store. He doesn't know which store he went into, so he can't eat that meat. It's Osir Mishim Suffolk. The Nimsa, but he finds it on the bus stop, he can go after the majority. That's a Chumrah. So that's not a proof that we apply Mechsa or Mechsa, that Kavua in its place is like half and half. That's not a proof we apply it to Kula. The nine frogs. So if anyone asks you where the nine frogs are in Shas, it's right here in Kesubas. So Ksuvas, all about marriage and nine frogs. Good. So there's nine frogs with sheretz echat b'nehem and one sheretz. Now the Rashi says the sheretz is a tzav with shehudomed litzvardeya. Now you should know in modern Hebrew, tzav usually means a turtle. We should know this, University of Maryland. Okay, so tzav usually means turtle in modern Hebrew, but it sounds like in Mishnayic Hebrew, tzav meant a toad. And a frog and a toad are very similar. Some of them have warts, some don't. Okay, they're frogs, they're toads. They look pretty similar. But a tzav is listed as a sheretz, meaning the Torah lists it as one of the creepy, crawly, yucky things that when they're dead, but they're still moist, they are mitame. So guys, don't, don't touch toads. Thanks. So what happened? There's these nine things and nine of them, 10 things. Nine of them are frogs. One is a toad. He touched one of these as he was walking by. He doesn't know whether he touched the frog or the toad. Sveka tame. Out of Suffolk, it's Tame, even though nine out of ten are frogs and are not Mitame Sheretz, but one of them's a toad, and they're sitting there in their pile of toad and frog corpses. So they're Kavua. So you touched one of them, it's considered Mechse al Mechse. It's a 50 50 chance you hit the toad in Halacha. So Lamaisa, he's Tame Mishim Suffolk. Hasam Nami that's also a Chumra. So where's the Kula about Kavua? Ela mitisha shratzim. If you had nine toads, svardeya echat, and only one frog, benehem, among the pile. 
And he touches one of these creatures in the pile. He doesn't know whether he touched the frog or the toad. So now it depends, actually. The halacha depends if he's Tommy or not. If he's in a private domain, he's in an enclosed area. Sfeko uh, Tame. A suffolk is Tame. Because we don't know what happens. We consider it a 50 50 chance. But because he's in Rishusa Yachid, we bend towards Chumra. We say he's Tame. But Bershusa Rabim, out in public, Sfeko Tahor. Does anyone know where we learned this chilek from? You guys need more coffee. I, I think I heard Sota. Sota's good. Sota's a good answer. Sota daf koach. It's coming up soon, Rabosai. Sota's coming up. It's on the horizon. We're, we're, in the right, uh, we're in the right section. Sota's coming up. We learn that a man warns his wife not to go in seclusion with another man. If she does go into seclusion, boom, she's usher as a Sota until Hashem himself, until God himself can prove her innocence or punish her guilt. But she's a Sota because there's a suffix of Tuma. We don't know what they did behind closed doors. And it was behind closed doors. It was Shusa Yachid. But if they were, she was talking in public with the same exact man, in public, there's no problem. In public, there's no Sota situation and there's no suffix Tuma. So we apply that generally even to the case of nine frogs and one Sheritz that we say, yes, in Rosh Rabbim, you could be Makel, even though it's Kavua. It's Kamechsa Mechsa. It's considered halachically a 50-50 chance that he touched the toad and he's Tameh. But in Rishusai Rabim, in public, we're going to be Tola et Lakula and say he is Tahor. So we see that Kavua, Kamechsel, Mechsedame, that can be a Kula as well as a Chumra. Midiraisa, Minilan. And Midiraisa, how do we know the subject of Kavua, Kamechsel, Mechsa? Amarkra, Va'arav lo, Vakam alov. And this is about murder, God forbid. The Pazak says he's Arav lo, he, you know, waits in ambush for this man, become a love, and then he attacks on him. So this emphasizes that his intention and his action were for the same person. So he's not guilty of murder. He's not punished by the court of murder. Lamaisa, if he killed somebody, the guy's still dead, and we're still going to you know, go after this guy. But to find him guilty in the Sanhedrin of capital murder, it's only if he killed the guy he was intending to kill. There's no transference of intent by murder in halacha. Rabbanan, actually there is, but not in this case. Rabbanan Amrei Devei Rabbi Yonai, the rabbi say from Rabbi Yonai, Prot Lezurik Eben Lego. This excludes someone throwing a rock at a group. Hey, dummy, what are we talking about? Ile Tisha Kenonim. If there's nine kinonim, nine pagans in this group, Echad Yisrael, and one Jew in this group, and they're walking down the street, uh, and so what happened is a guy threw a large rock at this group of people, and Nebuch killed one of them. A tapek lay So you could say we can't find him guilty of capital murder because most of them are kinonim. Now, it's still Aser. It's still Aser. And if we recall in Sanhedrin, if somebody's going around murdering people, even if there's no witnesses, even if there's no hatra, no warnings, we can't technically execute him for murder. Remember what they would do to the guy? Right? Kippah, kippah. They lock him up in the kippah, which is a dome, and they overfeed him a lot of barley until his stomach bursts, which is why people who drink a lot of barley, they get a big stomach. That's the, it's the same concept, just less fatal. But if a guy is a danger to society, the rabbis had sort of extrajudicial methods of protecting society from the bad actors, but to find him guilty of capital murder, they couldn't do because he threw a rock at a group that was majority kinanim, so he wouldn't technically be guilty of capital murder. 
So inami polgo polgo suffering the fractures the So even if you say kavua kamexa mexa, and this group is considered half Canaanim and half Jews, even though there's one Jew, or it's literally five Canaanim, five Jews, we say Suffolk Nefashos Lahakel, that the Bezdin is commanded Hitzilu Haeda. We learned about this in Sanhedrin, that we try to look for defenses to the accused. We don't try to convict people. Jewish law does not have guilty until proven innocent. It's innocent until proven guilty. That's how halacha operates. And so the court, the Bezdin, the Sanhedrin Agadol even, is commanded to look for excuses, look for legal defenses, and even look for you know, exculpatory evidence that's going to find him not guilty, or even technical reasons like, oh, he didn't have hasra, we can't execute him. Now, again, they might lock him up in the kippah if he's a danger to society, but they're not going to execute him for capital murder without all of the requirements. So that's Suffolk Nefashis Lahakel. You know, we can't say half and half, we can't say he intended to commit capital murder, so the Bezdin can't execute him. A reminder, we, we mentioned in Maseches Makos that there was a Machlokis, a Sanhedrin that, that, that executed a criminal once every seven years was considered bloodthirsty, and another year so was no, that's once every 70 years. Because we see there were a lot of technical reasons that they could refrain from executing a person. Hulamaisa, the person did kill somebody. The person might have committed murder, but because it wasn't the official definition in the Torah of capital murder, they might go lenient on him again. They might lock him up, keep him away from society, but it wasn't capital murder. So, So, the case of Kula here is when you have nine Jews in the group with one Kanani, and they're walking down the street. Tehavale, Kanani, Kavua. But he's in the group, where they're standing at the street corner is a better example. So the Kanani is like Kavua, Ko Kavua, Kamechse, Amechse, Dame. So even though this guy threw a big rock at a group, and even though there's nine Jews in the group, we'd say, oh, Halachach Harov, he's intending to commit capital murder of a Jew. The Sanhedrin should execute him publicly with all of the Halachots required. We say, no, because the group is Kavua. Kavua kamechsa mechsa, even though there's only one Kanani in the group, he's as if it's half and half, and we can't execute the Jew for capital murder. So, going back to our mission, so we've proven that this Kavua kamechsa mechsa is a concept der Raisa, bein l'chumra, bein l'kula. We proved it from the frogs and the toads, we proved it from the guy throwing the rock at the group, even if it's nine Jews. In one Kanani, it's Mechsa Mechsa, and the Bezdin has to go leniently on him. But getting back to our case of the girl who went to the well and Nebuchadnezzar was violated, and we said she's Kosher Lekahuna. So why was she Kosher Lekahuna? In the Mishnah, it sounded like there was only one rove, rove of the city. We didn't mention wagons. What was, what was going on in that case? So, So we say the Halakha is Rabbi Yossi, who uh, brought this story in the Mishnah that only one rove was good enough. One rove was adequate. Rav Hanan bar Rava Amar Rav Harosh Shah says, No, that was Harosh Shah. So Rashi speaks out that Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri says, Sorech Shah Haita. There was another reason at this time to be matter this girl to Kahuna, even though there's only one rove. O Rau Sham Shartzi de Heker Devarim Lachatar. He found another reason to be matter her to Kahuna in the case of the girl going to the well of Oladurus, Trey Rubabinan. But like we said, there's a Gezerah, you need two rows, worried about Kavua, Kamechsa, Mechsa. So for Yichus, to make the Kohanim happy, we'd normally need two rows. It was only Rasha, it was only for that one time. Uh, for Yuchzin, we don't need two rows. But there's a Mishnah turning over to Amid Beis, What happens if you find a kid thrown out on the street? 
Now, this sounds a little strange. How many times have we seen a kid like just thrown outside and left there on the street? Okay, kids play outside. That's normal. That's normal human behavior for kids to play outside. We're talking about a kid, like an infant or a toddler, literally cast out of his house and left to die or just get adopted by who knows. That's weird. It's so weird that the Romans did this to 20 to 30% of their offspring. 20 to 30%. About one in every four Roman births was cast out to die or be adopted, maybe, or eaten by wolves. Huh? Yeah, that's, that's pretty weird, but it was pretty normal for them. And it was commonly done as a form of the, the Romans, um, like, like in China today, they preferred men over women. So a family might have four sons and one or two daughters. And they accomplished that not by ultrasounds, but by leaving the daughters out to be eaten by wolves or, you know, giving them to, you know, poor farmers to be adopted. If a child was born with birth defects or looked weak or sickly or jaundiced, the Romans and the Greeks also did this to some extent and, and other cultures in ancient times, they would literally leave the thing outside to die like literally 20 to 30% of the time they were leaving kids out to die. If there was a case of uh, violation or incest or adultery, that baby goes outside to die. This was a very common thing that the Romans and the Greeks and other pagans, and these, these guys, you know, the Romans and the Greeks, they all oh, beautiful architecture and art and, and uh, whatever it is, they, you know, their plays and their philosophy. Meanwhile, they're leaving 25% of their babies out to die. Yeah, okay, so Baruch Hashem for the Jews. So the Jews are picking up these babies off the street. So what do you do with them, Lemaisa? So im rov ovde kochavim, if they're living in Rome or they're living in a pagan city, you consider him an ovid kochavim. You consider him not a Jew. Im rov Yisrael, but if it's a Jewish city, you consider him a Jew. It's a bit of a chiddush because Jews were not known to leave their babies outside to die. I'm sure Nebuch in some situations, what's that? So if you find a boy with a bris, that would be very different. That would be a very different situation because if he has a bris already, that's a pretty good hacker. He's a Jew, but the Gemara doesn't mention that possibility. So you'd imagine in general, Jews wouldn't be doing this. We say even so, if it's a majority Jewish, Jewish city, they might be in a situation where they're very poor. They're trying to get the baby adopted, something like this. You know, if, if you find the baby in a nice basket with a note that says, please save my baby, and it's all wrapped up nicely with a bow in the hair, you know, they don't want the kid to die. They want it to be adopted. Now, that's not, the Romans would sometimes send the kids out, you know, totally naked with nothing, you know, just for the wolves. Yeah, nebuch, nebuch. You know, it reminds us of uh, Hagar and Yishmael. Yishmael was sick and he was going to die. And Hagar's like, I don't want to see it. I'm out. You know, and she, she left. Didn't want to see him die. Whereas the countless, countless Jewish women in very difficult situations with children dying, with terrible illnesses, low Elena, we should never know from this. They were with their children to the end. So it's, uh, we, like we said yesterday, Jews are Rachmanim. Jews are, Jews are merciful. Gomli Chasadim. Jews are, Jews give chesed. You know, Jews are, Jews are not like the other, Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem, we're not, we're not domain to the Romans. Thank God, thank God. But anyway, the halacha considers it, if it's a Jewish city, we assume the kid is Jewish. Mechetzio, mechetzio, what if it's literally half and half? There's 50 non-Jews and 50 Jews there. Yisrael, we consider him a Jew. Amarav lo shano That's only to keep him alive, to give him chiyas. Rashi says to give him parnasa. It says, he might be Jewish, so we keep him alive. Now you should know, it's not just Jews that we keep alive. And I don't want you to get, get the wrong impression from the Rashi. There is a famous Gemara, and if it's not famous, it's going to be famous when we learn up Gittin Samech Olaf. And Gittin Samech Olaf says, Tanerabanan We provide sustenance to Aniye Nochrim, to the poor 
non-Jews, im ani Israel, just the same as we provide to Jews. Tzedakah for everybody. Not only that, mevakrin chole nochrim. We visit the sick, we care for the sick, im chole Yisrael, just like the Jews. That's why so many hospitals are called Sinai, Jews invented hospitals. Kovrin mete nochrim, we bury the dead of the non-Jews, im mete Yisrael. Rashi says, Lav Davka, not in the same cemetery, but you understand, if it's a mace mitzvah, no one's there to bury him. So you mentioned in Moed Katan, Moed Katan Daf Hey, burying the dead respectfully is a Jewish invention. Jews invented that. It used to be only the paro and the king and the rich people got a good burial. Jews invented respectful burials. Why? Mipnei Darkei Shalom. Because of matters of peace, Darkei Shalom here is used kind of like Tikkun Olam. It's sort of like, you know, it's sort of a quid pro quo. It's like if we show proper behavior, we give out tzedakah, we bury the dead, we heal the sick of everybody, then the entire world is elevated because they're going to say, wow, well, the Jews are taking care of our sick, so if we find a sick Jew, let's take care of him too. The Jews are burying our dead, so if we find a Jew, you know, all alone, no one to bury him, let's bury him too, and the entire world gets elevated. This is the true tikkun olam. Tikkun olam is not about just giving money to a cause. It's about changing your own behavior to set an example for the entire world so that everybody behaves in a better way. So the Gemara here, you might have gotten the impression that, oh, laha chayosa, we only give parnasa to a Jew or a Suffolk Jew or a place where it's rove or it's mechetza, mechetza. No, the Gemara in Gittin says we give parnasa to everybody equally. We give tzedakah to the Ani Enochrim just like Ani Yisrael. It's a very important concept to know that we are equal opportunity. Mibnei darkei shalom, mibnei tikkun olam. Good, so we provide, we provide for him. Avali yuchsin, but could he marry a Kohen? Low, no. So we treat him as a Jew, even though he's a Suffolk, he's, we found him on the street, you know? For yuchsin, no. Shmuel amar We treat him as a Jew to remove stones from him on Shabbos. We'll break Shabbos if his roof collapsed and we need to dig him out. We're gonna break Shabbos and dig him out and do everything we can to save his life. You know, we're gonna get Hatzal in the ambulance to, uh, to help him even on shops. It, it, it's interesting, you should know, Hatzalah has hired non-Jewish nurses to give non-Jews infusions on Shabbos to protect them from COVID. Like, you should know, like that's, Hatzalah is Mekayim, it's a beautiful thing, Mekayim this halacha to, to a T, the halacha in Gitin about, you know, healing non-Jews, Hatzalah is doing it, Lamaisa, it's amazing, it's beautiful, beautiful thing. So we save his life. So they'd forgotten. They're comparing it to this case where you go after one rove. So what Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav, like we saw on the top of Amad Olive, this was when there's wagons. So this case of the girl going down to the well, there was not just one rove of Tzipori, but there's a second rove of the guys on the wagons. And that's why they were Mata or Tzipori. It wasn't necessarily Haras Shah. It might have been when there were two robes, so she's good to go for Yuchsin, even for the, the Milchas Kohanim. Rav Hanan by Rava to Amar Haras Shah Haita, he says it was a Haras Shah, it was a one time thing, there's only one robe, it wasn't market day. Kasha, it's a Kasha to him. Ha, uh, ha so, okay, if you taught it this way, it was Haras Shah, then you didn't teach that there were two robes of the wagons. But if you teach that it was a normal Psach Halacha, that we'd allow this girl to get married to a Kohen, that's because there were two robes, the robe of Tzipori, which is Kasher Lakuna, and the robe of the guys coming in for market day, Kasher Lakuna, and we need that as a gezerah so we don't have a mechetzi al mechetzi kavua issue. Gufa, matzah mushlach, getting back to the kid you find on the street. And again, it could be very different if you find him in a basket with a bris milah, then maybe you know he's a Jewish kid who's trying to get adopted, but if you just find Stam, a kid on the street, 
You know, we don't leave him there for the wolves like the Romans. We try to take care of him. We're hachayoso, we're frenoso. Even though he's probably not a Jew in a non-Jewish city, we take care of the guy. Even in half and half, we'll treat him, Misafek, as a Jew. Rav says that's to give him parnasa, again, to feed him, to take care of him, to get him a job, an education, so he can live a life. But not to marry a Kohen. Shmuel says this is for to. Now, we use this pikuach nefesh, is saving a life. Pikuach here is also in the sense of pichin, to be smart. To be smart, to like carefully, and you know, you understand with, with some, you can't, if someone's roof collapses, you don't just go in there with a shovel. You try to find out where the guy is, you try to like find an air pocket, you try, you don't want to crush him. So to be smart about it when you're trying to save a life, you have to be aware of what you're doing. Me, Marshmul Hachi, Shmuel say this, Hamar of Yosef, Hamar of Yehuda, Marshmul, Ein hochin bikuach nefesh achar harov. We don't go with bikuach nefesh achar harov. So even in a city, that's mostly not Jewish. Even if Hatzola gets a call, and maybe the guy's not Jewish, even probably not Jewish. Even if you know you're you're on you know you're on a team and you're you're sent somewhere to try to help people or buried under rubble, and you know maybe they're probably not Jewish. You do it. You go. And to their credit, Eretz Yisrael frequently, when there's an earthquake or a problem, they'll send out teams of experts to help clear out the rubble and find people and rescue them and save them. And this is a kiyam of this Gemara. It's a beautiful thing that even though it's rove not Jewish and the chances this guy under the rubble is, is Jewish is very slim, but we will break Shabbos. We will be over, we will be digging and hauling and getting out the excavator and digging up the rubble on Shabbos. A Jew on Shabbos is digging up the rubble to save a life. And we don't care if that life might be Jewish or not Jewish. We are getting an excavator and we are clearing out that rubble carefully, carefully. Don't crush anybody to save a life, even on Shabbat. That's what we do. That's the Jewish way. That's what we do. That's, that's this halacha. Elakit mar shmuel. So what is Shmuel saying? mar. He says, in robe of the kahabim of the kahabim. He says, if most of the city is not Jewish and you find a kid lost on the street, we'll assume he's not Jewish. Why? Even so, we will... But we will dig him up if the roof collapses on his head. We got to save his life. We're going to go ahead and dig him up and save him. Uh, sorry, it's not. So we don't go after the roof for for saving him from the collapsed building, the collapsed roof. We go ahead and save his life anyway, no matter what the roof is. Rov not Jewish, rov Jewish. We save his life anyway. If most of them are idolaters, why do you have to know this? You're taking care of him anyway. You're giving him pranasa anyway. So you could feed him the not kosher meat because it's probably not kosher. But Lamaisa, we do feed him. We do take care of him. We don't let him starve. But you could feed him nevelis even. To return his lost object. Now the Torah, it's a good idea to return anyone's lost object. If anybody, Jewish or non-Jewish, drops their wallet, you obviously return it. But when we learn about the halacha, the sugya of Hashavah Saveda, to, to stop your work and to interrupt what you're doing to return to Veda, that's by Achicha. That's by your brother. That's Davka by Jews. Rav Papa says, we treat him as a Jew for that halacha. So we need to know if it's half and half, we treat him as Jewish. Why? For Nezek, for damages. Now, this is a Bava Kama issue. We're going to just touch on here briefly. Hey, dummy, what kind of Nezek are we talking about? If a ox that's owned by a definite Jew attacks the ox owned by this kid we found on the street. We don't know if he's Jewish. It's half 50-50 chances. I.T. Royal. 
So he should bring a proof that he's Jewish, b'shokol, and then he could take the damage from the other guy's ox, the definite Jew's ox. Lo so it's only when this suffolk, we don't show that 50-50 chance, his ox gores an ox that we know for sure belongs to a Jew. Uh, Polga Mishalom, he pays half damages, chatzi nezek. We're going to talk about this in the first chapter of Bavakama coming up in a couple of years. Not even. Be'idach Polga. And the second half, Amar Luhu, Aydiraya, Dlav Yisrael, Ana Ve'etendachon. He says, bring a proof that I'm not Jewish and I'll give you the second half. So Rashi speaks out what's going on in Bavakama Lamed Zion, we have a very strange halacha that if the ox of a Jew attacks the ox of a non-Jew, he doesn't pay for it. But vice versa, the ox of a pagan attacks the ox of a Jew, he pays for it. Now that sounds very strange. And you're right, it does sound strange. It sounds so strange that there's a Gemara on Bava Kama Lamed Ches Rabosai. If you're if you need more coffee, drink it now. This is amazing. This is life-changing. This is a life-changing sugya. I guarantee it. This is all about whose ox gored anyway. Kvar Shalcha Malchus Romi Shnei Sardiotis. The Roman government sent two investigators, government investigators, Etzel Chochme Yisrael, to the sages of the Jews. And what were they doing is these investigators were like religious inquisitors, and they were trying to make sure the Jewish religion was in alignment with the laws of Rome. And if not, the Jews are going to be in trouble. Because the Romans, you know, okay, the Romans tolerated various pagan faiths, but you had to abide by Roman law. The Romans were the law of the land. So they sent their inquisitors to see if the Jews were playing along with official Roman ideologies. Uh, and they said, you have to teach us your Torah or you're in trouble. Now, normally we don't go and teach Torah, especially Torah Shabal Pei, but this was, you know, under threat of government punishment and decree. So Karu... Vishanu Vishilshu. So the Romans learned and they reviewed and they reviewed a third time. I'm going to say the Romans reviewed three times. The Romans who hate the Torah, who hated the Jews, who murdered countless Jews, they could review the Sugya three times. What can we do? We could at least do three times. We could at least be as good as the Roman inquisitors. At least we should do this. We should, God willing, Hashem should give us the koach that we should be able to learn the daf, either hear the daf inside, we, sh- we should look at the daf, look at, look at the art scroll, look at the targum, look at something you understand, and then review it one more time, three times, third time's a char- charm. Do at least as good as the Romans. The Roman inquisitors who hated the Jews reviewed the sugya three times. This is such a musr, such a musr for all of us, three times for both sides. Just learn the daf three times, it will change your life, it will change my life if I could do that every day. I need mascara. I mean, I don't, I don't get every day, but on days you do the daf three times, it, you know about it. You feel it. You feel different. You've accomplished. You're at least as good as the Roman inquisitors. Anyway, so what do they say after they learn the Torah three times? Bishop Tiraton, when they learned the entire Torah, they were going back to Rome. They said, We have been meductic. We've looked into every aspect of your Torah. The emis who? You should know the Torah is emis. The Roman religious inquisitors who had examined every religion in the world said, yeah, your Torah is true. Your Torah is emes. It's definitely emes. Except this one thing we don't agree with. That you say, A Jewish ox that gores an Andrew ox is potter. Whether it's Tom or Muad, we know a Tom based Chatzinezek. They're like, what's going on here? Chatzinezek. What are you guys doing? It's it, they, they, like, it sounds a little racist, even. It's like 
the Romans have a good point here, right? And the Romans say, You can tell the Romans were learning Gemara. The Romans were definitely learning Gemara because the Romans say, They say, yeah, okay, beautiful. These guys were Talmudic sages already. If we mean Re'ehu in the Pasuk, it brings Re'ehu, Shor Shel Re'ehu, your friend, your fellow Jew. If that's Davka, Filo de Kanani, it should even be a Kanani, even a Kanani that Gores should be Potter, because it's only the ox of your fellow who pays Chati Nezek or Fol Nezek. Then even a Jew goring a non Jew's ox should be Chayev. They say, listen, we don't agree with it. We don't think it's right, but we're not going to inform on the Roman government on you because we've learned your whole Torah and we think it's all emis, except that one thing. So we're not going to inform on you and snitch to the Roman government that's going to come persecute you. The Yerushalmi brings that on the way home, they forgot all the Torah because they stopped reviewing. So, okay, we should keep reviewing. But guys, the Romans could review it three times. We could at least be as good as the Romans. So Lemaisa, Baba Kama here, Baba Kama Lameches doesn't bring an answer. So why were, did the Jews have this discriminatory halacha? Rambam has an answer. I'm about to say this is a take-home Rambam. This is like, this is amazing. This is truly, if, if you, I can't believe we're doing a Rambam in Nizaki in, in Kisubis. We're learning about marriage contracts, and here we are in the Rambam in Nizke Mamun in the 8th Perak 5th halacha. Shor shel Yisrael shnaga shor shel akum bein tam bein mud pater. Why? Rambam explains. Because in non-Jewish law, in non-Jewish courts, it was not an actionable offense. It wasn't a cause for action if their animal did damage. That's a Jewish law. That wasn't a non-Jewish law. So we give them the same din that they use on themselves. Under their own laws, they're not high on their animals. So if our animal hits their animal, we'll say, listen, under your law, we don't pay, you wouldn't pay anything. So under our law, you don't pay anything. But a non-Jewish animal that attacks a Jewish animal does have to pay. Why? This is amazing, Rabosai. Knas. It's a penalty. Knas who le'akum to the pagans. They're not careful in mitzvahs. Here, Rambam means the seven mitzvahs, which include not damaging other people. They don't protect us from damages. They don't lock up their dangerous animals. If you don't make them chayev for the damage your animals do, on their animals, if you don't make them liable in court for letting their animals out to cause damage, they're going to let their animals out and cause damage because under their laws, they're not liable for that. So we instead make a knas, we make them strictly liable for damages that their animals do, so they'll be careful and not cause damages. This Rambam is the basis for product liability. When a company releases a faulty or dangerous product to the public, whatever it is, a medication that causes side effects, and then they have to, to retract it and all of these things, this Rambam says it's a knas. We want people to be very careful releasing their animals or their dangerous products to the public. So we'll make them liable, we'll make them liable to pay full damages so they will be careful and not cause damage to the world. That's the Rambam explaining the Bavakama, what that the Romans had a problem with after they did Chazara three times. And that explains the sugya here that it's product liability. It's animal liability is the reason why we treat the shore of an Akum a little differently from the shore of a Yisrael. Hadran alach besula nisei, mazel we finished the first parak. we have three minutes left, so we're going to start the next parak. Baruch Hashem. Ha'isha shenis armala, 
a woman who was widowed, Onit Garsha, or divorced. Who Omeris? He Omeris. She's saying, now she's in Besdin claiming her Ksuva money. Besula Nisatani. <coughs> she says, you married me as a Besula. For who Omer? And the husband says, obviously, this Rashi says this is a case of divorce, not a case of death, because he's not talking after she's dead. Lie. He says, no, Ella. I married you, Omana. You're already a widow. So he's saying she's entitled to 100. She's saying she's entitled to 200. If there are witnesses, that she went out with a hinuma. This is some sort of head covering that the Gemara is going to explain later. That was the custom for only Betulot, only first marriages to use it. Rosha Perua, her hair was uncovered. Again, if she was already married previously and widowed, her hair would have been covered already. That was the minug. That was how they did it. So if she's going with her hair uncovered, we know she was a batula at the time of the marriage. Kisuvata matayim. She gets $200, 200 zuz in the kisuva. Rabbi Yochanan ben Baroka Omer, afchila klayas raya. Even the distribution of klayot, which is like popcorn, parched grain, candies, you know, like, like throwing rice. It's the same thing. Throwing rice or throwing grains at a wedding. That's Chilok That was a minag that they did only by the Betulot. So he says that's also a proof, also at least evidence supporting her claim that she gets a kasuva of 200. Modi Rabbi Yeshua agrees in another case when someone says to his fellow, This field used to belong to your father. I purchased it from him. Now, obviously, if he has a deed of sale, if he has a a star of the deed, then he's okay. So here there's no star, but he's saying, listen, this was your father's. I bought it from you. We, we didn't know otherwise. Shuneman, why? Top of Taz. So this is tomorrow's daf is going to be about this concept. The mouth that makes forbidden. Is the same mouth that makes permitted. So we would not have known that this field belonged to Reuben's father until Shimon shows up and says, hey, Reuben, this was your father's field. But I bought it from him, since we never would have known otherwise without Shimon telling us, Reuven has no claim to the field. But if there were Edim, that the field first belonged to Reuven's father, but in the absence of a purchase document or a deed, he's not believed just to say, yeah, I bought it from your father. We're going to see a similar case by the woman. A woman shows up to town and she says, I was married, but I'm divorced. I'm single again. I'm, I'm on the market for Shaduchim. We believe her. But if she just, you know, she could have just said that she's the Pesha Asr, says she was once married, she's also the Pesha Hitter, says I'm now available. So that's going to be the topic of tomorrow's daf. Mazda Verbosai, please today be at least as good as the Romans. One, two, three times, that's all it takes to be as good as the Roman Inquisitors. Shkoyach, have a great day.